0: Time for us to talk with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn, and good morning, Simi. You love hearing that too. Come on, oh, you can admit it. I do. It's
1: just fabulous. It brings back fond memories of seventeen thousand panting fans in the Pacific <laughs> Coliseum when I was music critic, and the Village People you,
0: wowed you, Vancouver. You really lived the life. You, I wait. I can't wait for your book. Which I'm just being sarcastic. He's not actually writing a book. <laughs> Because people out there would be like, I would like to read Vaughn's book too.
1: Yeah, Vaughn is happy that there were no uh, cell phone cameras back in the days when he was music (laughs) critic or there'd be a lot more interesting pictures posted on the internet.
0: I'll bet there would be. Uh, Let's talk about the BC budget, which is a lot, seems like a lot less interesting than the village people at the Pacific Coliseum, but not so, because there were a lot of recommendations that just came out.
1: Yeah, so this is an annual exercise. Budget day is now written into law and it'll be next February. But before the government goes through the process of making up the budget, which takes much of the fall behind closed doors, and then they give us what they're going to do next February, uh, they go out, legislature committee, all parties represented on the committee, and they basically ask the public and interest groups, what do you suggest? So this process actually started back in June. They have hearings. Interest groups come forward and say, do this, do that, do something else. And they also survey the public so that people who can't get out to a public hearing, they respond to a survey. So we've now got the report of that committee. It came out yesterday. It runs more than 100 pages, and there are 200 uh, recommendations, uh, which, you know, is a lot of feedback, Um, I guess my first reaction is the trouble with that much feedback is uh, you kind of go, well, 200 recommendations, like which ones are the most important. Um, Because it's an all-party committee, Simi, the the limitation is they try to come up with consensus. They don't split on party lines. Well, that means that you don't get findings that tend to be super embarrassing to the government, and you don't get recommendations that are really going to tick off the opposition parties either, like completely challenge their fundamental priorities. So it tends to be a grab bag. And hmm, it makes it a little easier to cherry-pick the recommendations. The government can say, well, you know, we did 20 or the 30 of the things you said, and so we listened. So it's uh, it's a useful exercise, but a somewhat limited one. It's a special problem right now because, as you know, the government is in transition. We're waiting for a new premier. The old premier is on his way out. Uh, the new premier, probably David Eby, won't be named until December he will make up the cabinet and the priorities that will be the next budget so again we can look at this stuff and say well that's interesting and that's useful and that's helpful but we really don't know where all this is headed
0: yeah but the unfortunate part about that is that there are some urgent things on this list that need to be looked at
1: yeah i mean uh, you're right so it's a long transition. Uh, John Horgan announced he was going. The NDP, the party, decided that you know it wanted to have a fair and open leadership race, and they've got one. Uh, if no candidates had jumped into the race, uh, David Eby was the only one. The handoff uh, could have happened in October because that's when entry closed but there's now another candidate so they'll go through October there'll be some kind of a debate uh, schedule of debates in the party and you know that that could be interesting could be some good ideas come forward some challenges uh, then the voting starts, it's uh, party members vote, all of them. So that starts in November, and the final result is December the 3rd. So what it means is we're going to remain in this period of transition almost until the end of the year, and yes, there are some things out there that need urgent attention. There is a government in place, but you know, how likely is the John Horgan-led cabinet going to embark on like a new direction or a new program with David Eby. He's no longer at the cabinet table, of course, because he's running for the leadership and he's probably going to be the next leader.
0: Yeah, but that doesn't go with kind of what we also heard, though, from Premier John Horgan, which is that he was going to be in charge until there is a new leader.
1: Yeah, well, he is in charge. But it. it I mean, I still say that in terms of like, changes of direction uh you know some dramatic stuff um that's less likely to happen with an outgoing premier and an incoming premier who's not even at the cabinet table that's that's sort of my take on it Uh, and the committee did you know bring back some interesting stuff especially the public survey about what's on the public mind so it's, I mean, one thing that I got a chuckle out of is some of the recommendations are so last spring, like they think they should cancel the provincial museum makeover and provide relief on gas taxes. So that's maybe not as urgent right now. Things change. But the big three, I thought, reading the report, is from the public feedback affordability, general, like dealing with the cost of living, access improved to health care. And housing, um, not a lot of indication that crime in the streets is a big deal, but that may be because they took the, uh, they took the survey before the recent yeah. horror stories. But then look at those issues and where they stand, right? So access to a family doctor. Well, right now that's the subject of negotiation uh, between the government and doctors of BC. So yes, something needs to be done, but... We don't know where that's going to come out because it's under negotiation. Crime in the streets the same. David Eby, before he left office, uh, ordered a review of chronic offenders and crime in the streets and what can be done about it. Uh, Affordability. John Horgan promised relief. Government programs to relieve the public from increased cost of living and inflation. He said that back in April. We still don't have what that program is going to look like. So that, to me, is, you know, part of the problem. It's great to get feedback, but the government is in transition, caretaker mode, not taking the kind of quick, dramatic action that I think the public feels is really needed.
0: It really is. And also, some of these issues, I wonder if we won't hear about them being dealt with somewhat before the budget actually happens. For instance, like, family. everyone wants to talk about family doctors. Obviously, that would be part of the budget discussion. But, you know, we know that there's some things happening behind the scenes. We might hear about that earlier.
1: Yeah. I mean, the family doctors negotiation, when you ask the government about it, yes, they realize there's a problem recruiting family doctors and they've tried a couple of things and they didn't work very well. So more needs to be done. And Uh, You know, Adrian Dix, health minister, said just the other day, uh, his deputy minister, Stephen Brown, is involved in negotiations with doctors of B.C. about a new fee schedule. So they're part of the entire cross-government public sector wage negotiations and compensation negotiations, which are going on. So that's there. We don't know when we'll see that. It's a subject of negotiation. And, you know, as you know, there's whole bunch of negotiations going on in the public sector, quietly behind closed doors. Those negotiations have a mandate. It was approved by the cabinet. And if you're going to have to settle, if you need to put more money into it, that's going to have to be a cabinet decision. And there's going to have to be consensus that this is the way to go because you know, any any increase in compensation for one public sector group will have a multiplier effect because every other public sector union and negotiating group, of course, is going to say, well, we want that too. Why wouldn't they ask for that?
0: Right, but you talk about how it's going on quietly now because it was kind of ramping up there earlier, but where are we at with the largest union? <laughs>
1: Well, I see Bob Mackin, uh, who tends to be on the ball on a lot of things, reporting this week that we appear to be finally headed for job action with the main public sector union, the B.C. Uh, They used to be called the B.C. Government Employees Union and now the B.C. General Employees Union. They uh, took strike vote way back uh, in June, mm-hmm. uh, so and and members said, yeah, you know, if you really need to do that to get us a deal, uh, we'll vote for it. They've been in negotiation with the government to make sure that essential services continue because you can't just shut down the entire government. So all that is done, and I see that they're now planning a report uh, to start staged job action. So I guess we'll hear about that fairly soon. It's the quiet season in government. Uh so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they come out with. Uh it could have some dramatic effects because well, I mean the most obvious one that we all think about is the main pressure point the union has, um just government offices and getting in and getting access mm-hmm. to things that are not essential. And of course, uh, the union uh, staffs the liquor stores and the liquor warehouse, so that could have an effect on, uh, you know, restaurants needing uh, supplies and all that, because all that comes through the liquor warehouse.
0: All right, more to watch out for. Avon, thank you.
1: Bye, bye, Simon.